I'm Hilary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Teresa Payton, former White House CIO, global cybersecurity expert, and author. Evolution Equity TV is brought to you by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. To learn more about Evolution Equity Partners, visit evolutionequity.com. Teresa, welcome. It's so great to have you with us, and it's so fun to be hosting you on Evolution Equity TV. Oh, it's really great to be here, and I appreciate um, your hard work on this uh, particular topic, as well as Evolution Equity TV giving us an opportunity to unpack what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely, and, and my pleasure. So, Teresa, we're here today to talk about a story that's been all over all of the major media outlets, and I, I suspect it will continue to be, which is how FTX, hours after they filed for bankruptcy, was drained of more than $663 million worth of cryptocurrency, and much of which appears appears to be stolen. And according to Wired, an administrator in FTX's Telegram channel, they posted you know, in real time that FTX had been hacked and that FTX apps were malware and to delete them. Exactly how FTX was breached remains unclear, uh, as far as I know, and you know, as does whether their apps were actually compromised or not. But to start off on the story, and as you mentioned, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot going on. Can you just take us through what you've read and, and what you know about the story? And, and we'll dive in further. So you obviously don't feel like you have to unpack everything, but um, just quickly take us through what you know. I mean, it reads like a Hollywood movie script. It just sounds unreal. Uh, so you have one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges, who, by the way, has been sort of the white knight of cryptocurrency, bailing out other failing cryptocurrency exchanges. And you're right. I mean, this is um, an example of what not to do in your incident response playbook. Uh, so you have the administrator on Telegram telling people they've been hacked. You then have the U.S. General Counsel. Remember, they're not actually operating out of the United States, but they do have a U.S. office. They're acting uh, they're basically operating out of the Bahamas, uh, but their U.S. general counsel wrote in a tweet that unauthorized access to certain assets has occurred. I don't know about you, Hillary, but when I look at large organizations, their incident response playbook does not start with, let's get to people on Telegram and Twitter. There's other more formal forms of communication that should be followed. Um, you're absolutely right. There was this big outflow. What's interesting, though, is that part of it was uh, observed to be by cryptocurrency tracers and trackers movement of coins from FTX proper into their storage wallets, mm -hmm. potentially trying to uh, save the um, cryptocurrency maybe in cold storage so that it couldn't be hacked or stolen by somebody. Uh, and then some of the other funds appear to be stolen. We do know that cyber criminals do pay attention to the news and headlines. And so maybe they saw this opportunity during the chaos, the announcement of the bankruptcy to strike. Now, what do you do? Because the world is watching the moves of these cryptocurrency coins. Uh, the thieves may actually try something that's called a mixing service. So many people are familiar with the term 
money laundering as it relates to maybe banking, or maybe if you've watched a really good mafia movie or TV show, um, you've heard of money laundering. So a mixing service allows laundering of cryptocurrency. You blend trades. They're really quick. They're really small, but you blend in with lots of other cryptocurrency trades hoping that you hide this type of movement. It's tricky to do. People may remember Tornado Cash Service was actually sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury in August for doing a mixing service. There is, uh, and then I'll stop because like you said, there's so much to unpack here, um, but there is um, an Ethereum address of interest. There's about $192 million worth you know, give or take, depending on how things are trading in the cryptocurrency markets of the stolen FTX funds. Um, it's actually been observed that that wallet, that Ethereum address has been sending small or no value sums of tokens to different types of accounts, including a fundraiser account for Ukraine. So it's going to be interesting to see in the hours, days and weeks to come what happens next. Absolutely. That's so fascinating. I didn't know that. And um, my next question for you, Teresa, is, you know, as to be expected, we're hearing the name Sam Bankman fried everywhere. And, and so what do we know about the 30-year-old FTX CEO who was once heralded as the, you know, the king and the, the savior of crypto and who, in addition to having to file for bankruptcy and resigning as CEO of FTX, of course, he's in, under investigation by both the, the Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's really unfortunate because when I look at his uh, work biography, it's very impressive. Um, this is a very talented and intelligent individual. Uh, I'm not, we're going to have to hear from him. Like, where did things go really, really wrong? Um, but he started his career very young at the age of 21. Uh, he actually dabbled in cryptocurrency arbitrage. So he would buy coins for a low price mm -hmm. and then sell it on a different exchange for a higher price. Um, and from there, he actually struck out on his own. He took all of those learnings and started to create these cryptocurrency arbitrage models. And he stood up Alameda Research. He then went from there to actually stand up FTX. Now, what's interesting is FTX has only been around since 2019. Yeah. I mean, isn't it incredible to think it? It's only been around three years. And by the way, it's not around anymore. FTX built their reputation on allowing riskier trades and leverage bets. So that allowed him to actually be a huge market disruptor. And at one point, he personally was estimated to be worth over $20 billion. Something of note, there was an interesting sort of like a profile piece on him in Vox and they wrote in there that during pitch meetings, he would be sitting there playing computer games. So obviously, this is an individual who can operate at, at multiple different levels. He was also a philanthropist. He set up an FTX foundation, donated estimates are over $190 million to date of donations that he's made. He also spent time on the Hill, actually talking to Hill staffers and legislators about the potential for cryptocurrency regulations. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens next to him based on these investigations, based on the allegations of wrongdoing, potentially 
illegal activities of moving money without permission is just very unfortunate to watch. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And we'll come back to um, you, know, you mentioned beat him being on the hill and and you know advocating for different governance or rec- regulations of cryptocurrencies. I want to come back to that in a little bit. And you also mentioned earlier that ha- you know how he he's operated FTX largely out of the Bahamas. So I guess m- my next question for you was you know, will this have any impact on how the investigation progresses? I don't really know anything about how any of that <laughs> works together. So well, you know, it'd be interesting. I I would definitely be able to walk you through if this were to be like an, a banking investigation of money laundering through a bank, you know, kind of the different agreements that countries have in place. Um, there are discussions as of um, just us talking right now, Hillary, before we started to talk, uh, the FBI is in conversations with the authorities in the Bahamas around extradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if I were advising uh, the politicians and the government of the Bahamas I would advise them that uh, what happened with FTX makes a mockery of their um, governance process and oversight of businesses. I know this isn't a financial institution and under Bahamas regulatory environment for a financial institution, but it is a registered business there. And it really did make a mockery of of businesses and licensure in, in the Bahamas. If I were them, I would negotiate kind of the right way to do this extradition. Uh, I do know that they are cooperating with investigators and providing information. So um, if I had to guess, Hillary, so this is just an educated guess, there potentially will be a discussion around extradition. Um, There will be a discussion around uh, him and the collaborators, what uh, citizenship they have Mm -hmm. uh, and what's considered their primary citizenship. And then as the investigation uh, and, you know, maybe potentially employees come forward and and participate in the investigation, then the FBI will have to decide what type of charges will be filed and what the court proceedings will look like. So all of that has to be determined. But obviously, they want to be able to extradite him. Uh, The question is, will the Bahamas actually do any type of search and seizure of his devices. Um, those are things I tried to look for before our conversation and had not really gotten a definitive answer for. How are authorities watching the movements of these stolen funds? You mentioned the uh, the Ethereum earlier. And, and I guess, you know, is there what else can could you say about that, especially as it relates to, to crypto and, and blockchain? Each exchange is a little bit different. And depending on where you choose to uh, operate as an exchange where your customers are, you know, where you're registered, you fall under the governance of different countries. And not every country agrees that you have to have the KYC laws in place. That is know your customer. The KYC is typically uh, something that the financial institutions fall under. Basically, it's an obligation to carry out a certain level of identity, credit checks, background checks on clients before they're allowed to move money around. And um, typically the financial services industries are held to like the highest standard of any type of company um, because it's used to fight money laundering. Why? Because money laundering typically funds some of the worst crimes in the world. Um, So what's interesting is, is many countries have put into place that if a cryptocurrency platform wants to operate or offer services um, with 
three countries really leading the way requiring KYC measures, and that's the U.S., Australia, and the U.K., but certainly other countries have made it a point to require KYC. So how does that help in tracking a cryptocurrency? Because many people feel that, you know, wallets seem anonymous. It doesn't say Hillary or Teresa. It might just be a series of numbers. So it feels like it might be anonymous. But as soon as you, first of all, that wallet has to be registered. And if it's on an exchange that does require some minimum elements of KYC, then we're going to know who that wallet belongs to, even if it belongs to an LLC. And then you can start figuring out, well, who registered the LLC? Um, even if it's not, it's hard to spend crypto while it's still sitting on a crypto exchange today. Oftentimes it has to be converted to fiat currency. And the moment you try to do that, there will be a financial institution on the other end of that transaction who is accountable for KYC. So you can watch the money, the tokens moving here and there. But as soon as somebody tries to convert it to fiat currency, that is the opportunity with KYC to really figure out what the identity is. Now, what's interesting is, so I just said, you know, US, Australia, UK are leading the way on these exchanges. I mentioned that whole thing around, you know, trying to use different platforms to move the tokens around to see if you can actually sort of money launder the tokens. KYC requirements today do not typically apply to what's considered a DEX, a decentralized exchange. So those trades are done through smart contracts on the blockchain, and they aren't necessarily handled through a centralized trading desk. So it's possible it'll make it a little harder for authorities to identify who this belongs to. But again, at the moment, they want to actually you know, buy a yacht or a Lamborghini or whatever they plan uh, to do with the cryptocurrency, as soon as they try to turn it into some fiat currency, the banking authorities of that country should be able to figure out who the money's going to. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I read somewhere, I don't remember where, but that blockchain sleuths were using the the KYC accounts for crypto theft. Did I, did I misread that or is that something that they're doing? Definitely. Um, there's different methodologies, but many of sort of these cryptocurrency track, um, you know, sleuths, researchers and firms, there are firms that specialize in cryptocurrency tracking. Um, they can actually look at sort of the blockchain ledger, look at the wallet. And again, assuming the wallet is on one of the registered um, exchange platforms that follows KYC, they can start following the money. So even if it's um, the wallet itself has a name that doesn't make any sense, they can use some of these ledgers to say, okay, I see, you know, this type of a handle or this type of an entity where else on the internet do I see a similar entity and then start to actually track things down? And so you you kind of answered my next question um, earlier in our conversation, but my next question for you is, are these criminals using current events such as bankruptcy filings to their advantage? Oh, definitely. I, you know, as soon as there was the announcement of the fact, you know, he looked for a white knight to actually bail him out and once that due diligence was completed and the decision was made not to move forward to bail out FTX, that announcement came out, the bankruptcy filing, you know, basically we're going to have to file for bankruptcy. And that just started the domino effect. Now the question will be as the investigation unfurls, 
you know, are these just opportunistic international cyber criminal syndicates who are just watching the crypto headlines? Or is it something else? Is it potentially insider threat? You know, is there a contractor who did development work for the organization? Is there um, an employee? Is there an aggrieved past employee? Um, You know, only time will tell as the investigation unfolds whether or not these were truly outsiders. And, you know, Hillary, one of the things they might have done, they might have socially engineered employees of the platform. So as soon as they started to see things were falling apart, these messages on social media, they may have sent emails to employees of the platform saying, hey, um, click here, I need to secure your email. And the next thing you know, they've got a toehold into the organization and they're able to actually move funds, um, obviously undetected. Well, I guess that explains why tweeting or you know posting on, on Telegram wouldn't be part of our incident response plan. <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe that's the the last thing you do after you do yeah, the first things, yeah, right? But yeah. priorities, unreal. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I guess transitioning now to like a different topic, Elliptic is a crypto tracing and blockchain analysis firm. And then there are others, of course, but Elliptic specifically has been featured across many different news platforms reporting on this story, including the the Wired article that I mentioned earlier and a couple of Wall Street Journal articles, since they've shared their findings on the various specifics that they know about the the $663 million outflow, which I think perhaps is, is what you had shared earlier as well. And I guess if it's different, um, you know, what have they shared and, and what are the implications of those findings by, you know, these crypto tracing and blockchain analysis firms? Well, they really did a wonderful public service announcement for um, anyone who had um, investments on FTX, but also the rest of the cryptocurrency ecosystem and the investigators, uh, because they very quickly, you know, once they said we've been hacked and somebody took our money, um, they were basically able to say, well, that's not exactly what we're seeing here. So we do see money that looks like it was taken in an unauthorized way, diverted to an unauthorized account. But let's unpack this for everybody of what we really see. So they followed the money, so to speak. Um, and so they they shared that for starters, less than 24 hours of announcing the filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, that's when the money started to move. Um, they mentioned that um, the FTX wallets were drained of different types of tokens. Um, so again, this is an incredible public service announcement. We have more transparency from the information that Elliptic shared than we do from FTX themselves. Um, and so they mention uh, the different tokens. They mention uh, Binance, uh, Avalanche, Ethereum, uh, and then they did more due diligence on this. And they said, look, um, we believe maybe around the U.S. equivalent of $477 million has had unauthorized access, unauthorized transfer, potentially stolen. But the rest, we believe it went from FTX active exchange over to FTX, some type of secure storage. So it's it's very interesting, but they really did us all a favor with this sleuthing um, it's going to help the investors in FTX. It's going to help the investigation, but it's also going to help the rest of the community because now if you think about it, we almost need a neighborhood watch. Uh, we certainly don't want this to happen to another exchange. And uh, we need to know now that that money is sitting in some different wallets, 
where's it going to go next? And, um, you know, they, they basically kind of gave us the roadmap for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, well, I guess what is the, the likelihood, Teresa, that there will be any recourse from this for any of the, the thieves who may be identified down the road? It is possible uh, that they could get tracked down and be in a country where they could be extradited, held accountable, fined, and maybe one day the victims of the FTX implosion, which would be the people who had money on that cryptocurrency exchange, um, will get some of their money back. That's a best case scenario I put a low probability of happening on. But it could happen. We could get lucky and it has happened um, in some past cryptocurrency exchange thefts. Here's the thing though. If the sophisticated thieves are in countries such as Iran, Russia, North Korea, it may not even matter if they decide they're going to put their you know, cryptocurrency into fiat currency and their identities are revealed. It may not even matter. Like the opportunity for the U.S. government uh, law enforcement to extradite and prosecute is, is pretty slim. I would love the idea of being able to track down who did this um, and bringing them to justice and getting some of this money back uh, for the you know people. But I, I, I give it a very low probability at this point. More broadly, FTX was recently, very recently, valued at $32 billion. And as you mentioned earlier, Bankman Freed was personally worth around $26 billion at one time, which is just wild and very impressive. But how can something so large fall so quickly in the crypto world? As you mentioned earlier, FTX was founded in 2019. It's only been three years. And I know just pat this past February that FTX got Larry David to be in their Super Bowl spot, which for whatever reason, for me, me it means more to me personally than any of their extreme valuations that they got him to do that. But anyway, seriously, um, you know, it, this is just, it, the volatility is astounding. I think it's beyond anything that I ever comprehended, even in the crypto world, which is known for being super volatile. I agree with you, Hillary. And, you know, I spent 16 years in the financial services industry and I've been in the up and downs of the markets, um, in the financial services industry. And, you know, and I watched in horror as things kind of really unraveled, um, with the financial services industry and the conversation around too big to fail when the mortgage lending crisis, um, imploded. And, I look at what happened here and I think, why do we have to relearn these lessons the hard way? Yeah, I know they're not a financial services institution, but as far as a run on a bank, although FTX is not regulated as a bank, it is going to pr prove, I think, to be on the all-time list of the biggest and scariest bank like run scenarios we've seen, at least in sort of our modern economy. Based on what we know so far, Hillary, a lack of governance and accountability are the underpinnings of this failure. Based on what we're still learning, and I know the investigation is ongoing, we may also find fraudulent and criminal activity. I'm not accusing anybody of that. I will leave that to the investigators um, to decide if there was fraudulent and criminal activity. But the fact that there is discussions of extradition tells me there's probable cause. Um, and it's unfortunate because 
we see that FTX made a big show of all types of acquisitions, bailouts, um, like you said, Super Bowl ads. Um, they helped out other failed and flailing crypto companies. And now here we are. Um, FTX is short by billions of dollars. Let's just say all the stolen funds get pulled back. They're short. They're short. Um, and they had the crypto equivalent of a bank run. So where, where do people get to go from here? I don't know. But why did it fail? At a minimum, lack of governance and accountability. At worst, potentially fraudulent and criminal activity. But the investigation is going to have to pan out for us to know for sure. I think that's a really nice segue into my you know, second to last question for you, which is, do you think that the collapse of FTX will put more wheels in motion or more more pressure, perhaps, however you want to phrase it, for stricter regulations, governance, and everything with cryptocurrencies? I, you know, I, I would have thought by now we would have had uh, more than just kind of, hey, if you want to operate in these countries, we'd like you to do KYC. Uh, what I think we will see, Hillary, is as we really understand the true impacts of the implosion, I don't think we're done yet understanding the impacts of the implosion of FTX. So, for example, you know, we learned that a Canadian pension fund had money tied up in FTX. What does that mean for that pension fund? So are people not going to have retirement money or did they hedge their bets? How much did they hedge them by? Did they hedge this could go to zero? Um, so I don't think we really understand the boulder that was thrown into the lake here and the ripple effect that it's going to have globally, not just on the cryptocurrency exchange ecosystem, but on real dollars that people are counting on. Um, so I do believe more regulations and governance will come out of this. My fear is that what will come out of this will be based on very specific things that happened and it will not be dynamic and flexible enough and cryptocurrency exchanges will disrupt themselves again and operate a different way um, outside the constructs of governance and laws. So we have to really start to understand and maybe instead think about how do we help people understand what's insured, what's not insured? Are there alternatives to cryptocurrency? Helping people understand, hey, look, you could make a lot of money or you could actually lose it all and never get it back. Um, and so, you know, do you want to put your pension on a Vegas, you know, blackjack table? because that's what we're talking about here. Um, or do you want to put your pension fund for your retirees in something a little safer? Or, you know, do you have a hundred dollars? It's like, Hey, this will be fun. This might turn into a thousand or zero in five minutes. Um, so we, we really have to do more education and awareness. And I would like to see, um, global leaders come together on this issue and have a conversation on governance, laws, but also the cybersecurity measures. This is not the first exchange to be hacked. This will not be the last. Oh, such a nice wrap up. That makes me not want to ask you my final question, but I will anyway, because I always like to ask it of you. Um, Teresa, any final thoughts for our audience on the this topic and anything else you'd want to share? Sure. Well, for starters, um, if you or your family or your friends had... Um, 
currency tied up in FTX. I am so sorry this happened to you. And I, you know, I, I just, I want you to hear that. And I want you to hear, I, I think what happened is terrible and it should, should not happen again. And it's not your fault. You, you thought this exchange um, was living the talk. They were not walking the talk. Um, and so shame on uh, kind of global legislators for not thinking through uh, regulation or at a minimum investment disclosures that cover cryptocurrency exchanges. So for everybody who lost money, has money tied up, I am so sorry this happened to you. Let's take the learnings from this and no more victims. Very well put as always. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and discuss this today. I always enjoy our conversations and it was just a lot of fun to, to be on Evolution Equity TV with you. It's always great to be with you, Hillary. Great job. Thanks for having me on. I'm Hillary McClure. Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Evolution Equity TV is brought to you by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. To learn more about Evolution Equity Partners, visit evolutionequity.com.